Hey everybody, a quick note on something that took place after our recording. The House Select Committee on January 6th issued its first subpoenas yesterday to four senior officials in the Trump administration, most notably Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and strategist Steve Bannon. Now both of these officials seem to be very close to the former president as the events of the day were planned, and the committee is demanding that they surrender documents relating to the attack by October 7th and testify the following week. Now this really shows that the 1-6 committee is beginning to speed up in its efforts, especially since it and its chair Mississippi's Benny Thompson have relatively little time to come to a conclusion that would affect the 2022 midterm elections. Plus, Vice Chair Wyoming's Liz Cheney is also trying to make her mark as this is likely her last term as a Republican in Congress because she voted to impeach Mr. Trump while representing the nation's most Republican-leaning state, according to the Cook Partisan Voting Index. Now, you can make sure that you're ready to respond to this by keeping up with unbiased news sources and registering to vote. Okay, here's the show. Yeah, no, that's not the show. We apologize, but we knew you'd enjoy that one, so here's another one that came in just after we recorded the first one. The Republican-led review of the 2020 election results in Maricopa County, Arizona, concluded Friday with the release of the draft of the review's final report to the press. Although the firm hired to conduct the investigation had strong Republican ties and the review was funded in large part by pro-Trump donors, and only far-right media representatives were issued press passes. The review confirms that President Biden won Maricopa County and actually widens his lead by a few hundred votes. Okay, that should hopefully be it. Here's the show, maybe. On the Toss-Up's third episode, Afghanistan, gerrymandering, and potential worldwide economic disaster. The toss-up will come to order for the session of September 24th, 2021. I'm today's speaker, Jackson Keith, and welcome to the Apolitical Politics Podcast for people who hate politics podcasts. The chair now recognizes the Texas legislature. Mr. Speaker, on September 20th, the third special session for the Texas legislature began. The Senate has already begun redistricting, which is the process of revising the voting boundaries to distribute the population as evenly as possible. The hope is that this will also allow for fair representation. However, it is very likely that the politicians in charge will redistrict in a way that benefits them, which is a process known as gerrymandering. This basically increases the chance that these politicians will win the 2022 midterms as these new boundaries go into effect during that election. There has been a lot of population growth since the last census in 2010, so redistricting will likely feature heavily in the session. During this redistricting process, two Texas Democrats, Senator Roland Gutierrez from San Antonio and Senator Sarah Eckhart from Austin filed a lawsuit claiming that this process was unconstitutional as it must occur during the first regular session of the legislature. However, it is unlikely this lawsuit will go anywhere. This special session was also set to cover distributing federal COVID-19 money, restrictions for transgender athletes, COVID-19 vaccine mandates, and the Safe Outdoor Dogs Act, which the governor vetoed a version of during the regular session. In addition to these topics, on September 22nd, Governor Abbott added property tax and bail changes to the session's agenda, which he believes is, quote, crucial to improving the lives of all Texans. And now a quick general recap of what's going on with the House. Representatives returned from recess on Monday, and they have a lot to deal with. Speaker Nancy Pelosi is basically trying to balance the world on her gavel right now. 
First, there's the two big-ticket infrastructure bills that form President Biden's American Jobs Plan, and neither of them have a clear path to passage. The Speaker has told moderate Democrats that the House will vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill by the 27th, but some more progressive Democrats are holding to Biden's original claim that he wants both bills passed back-to-back, to the point that they're willing to vote against the bipartisan bill. Now, that usually wouldn't be a problem, since it's somewhat bipartisan, but Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is against the bill because he says it's just a feel-good package tacked onto the $3 trillion reconciliation-based bill that Republicans would not support. If McCarthy actually tells his voters not to support the bipartisan bill, an action known as whipping the Republican representatives in the House, then the bipartisan bill could very easily fail. And even if the not-bipartisan bill passes the House, we're not even sure that even that one would pass because Democrats have to be completely united to pass it with a majority of 50 votes plus Senate President Kamala Harris, but Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia says that he doesn't want to spend so much. So will it pass? Nobody knows. But they've got an even bigger problem. The government is going to run out of money on September 30th. And if Congress doesn't agree to borrow more money to fund it, there will be a shutdown. That's bad. People not getting paid, national parks closing, school lunches getting charged for, President Trump personally buying fast food burgers for guests. Yes, he actually bought hundreds of fast food burgers personally during a shutdown, that kind of thing. Both parties are willing to fund the government by borrowing, but they can't borrow anymore. The Treasury reports that the U.S. will meet its debt limit in less than a month. Congress sets for itself a debt ceiling that the government cannot owe any more than this amount, and they've continually raised it to be able to keep borrowing money. But this time, it's different. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has said that Republicans will not vote to raise the debt ceiling and that Democrats have to either go it alone or and, and use reconciliation to do it. Now, we don't know whether Democrats will follow through on this mandate from McConnell or just trust that McConnell will eventually give in. Now, if they do follow through with him, they can't make any new reconciliation bills this year because budget reconciliation, which is the process by which... The majority party gets through spending-based bills without a 60-vote Senate requirement like most bills require. Now, if they do not follow this and so they do this, then they won't make any new bills because budget reconciliation is like baseball. You can only do it three times a year and then you're out. If they don't follow through with what Mr. McConnell is saying, disaster. The U.S. will default on its debt and say we can't pay this. Now, since the value of the U.S. dollar, which is the currency that makes the entire world economy work, comes from the U.S. government's ability to pay back the debt, though I hate to be a pessimist, the government saying that it can't pay its bills, will throw the worldwide economy into absolute chaos. Money will have little value, people won't be able to trade, no one will trust anything economically, and unless we all completely switch to using pounds or euros in five seconds, Congress failing to raise the debt ceiling will probably create the Second Great Depression. And that's the lowdown on the House. Now here's Prisha with more specifics on Afghanistan. Mr. Speaker, today I'd like to cover the recent hearing held by the House Foreign Affairs Committee about Afghanistan. The hearing took place on Monday, September 13, 2021, and lasted over five hours. It is the first of the Afghanistan withdrawal hearings, and in the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, and in it, the Foreign Affairs Committee, along with the Secretary of State Antony Blinken, were present. Continuing from the previous episode, the chairman of the committee, Gregory Meek from New York, asked the Secretary of State whether the Biden administration had plans to renegotiate with the Taliban regarding the deal made under the Trump administration in terms of withdrawing remaining American troops. To this, the secretary responded that the Taliban has made abundantly clear that the deadline set for the removal of American troops would be sustained, and if that the deadline was exceeded, the Taliban would continue the previous attacks they had done on American troops. Representative Deutsch from Florida then asked Blinken how the 
the Biden administration plans on holding the Taliban to their assessment of um, holding al-Qaeda and other terrorist groups from taking over the region and keeping them from using the resources of the country to attack the United States and our allies. And to this, Blinken responded that the terrorist threat of al-Qaeda has been decreased since 9-11 in general and uh, in a number of countries in the Middle East, and that the United States currently has assessed that al-Qaeda has been minimalized so greatly that they are no longer in a position of conducting attacks on the United States or any of our allies. With that being said, Blinken also stated that the intelligence community community will be keeping a tight watch on the current radical climate of the Middle East. To another question posed by Representative Bass from California, Blinken also stated that there would be a, a state official put in charge of understanding the role and condition of women in Afghanistan. Representative Joaquin Castro of Texas District 20 then asked the secretary a number of questions regarding the positions that have been filled at the State Department. Uh, These positions hold about a 26% fill rate currently, which is much less than the commission stated for 9-11 in 2001 at at the same time period. And as of September 13th, the positions of Assistant Secretary for Stabilization Operations for War Policies, Assistant Secretary for State of state for Asian and Middle Eastern Affairs, which would deal with the crisis in Afghanistan, uh, of Assistant Secretary for st- um, of State for East Asia and Pacific As- Affairs, African Affairs, European and Eurasian Affairs, Western Hemisphere Affairs, International Organization, Narcotics and Educational and Cultural Affairs have all been unfulfilled. Castro used this time to praise the State Department for its progress without much of the faculty and hark the unwillingness of Senator Ted Cruz from his own state in slowing down the confirmation of many of the positions of the State Department. And then asked Blinken whether it was time for the U.S. to evaluate its its relationship with Pakistan, which is a non-NATO ally, after the president of the country cheered and rallied behind the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. To this, Blinken responded blankly that it is time for the United States to reevaluate, reevaluate its relationship. Next, uh, Representative Colin Allred from Texas District 2032 used his time to praise Blinken's work in Afghanistan and say the faults of the previous administration. Allred uh, didn't pose many any questions really to Blinken and was rather in uh, use his time to praise the work done by his office. Representative August Fluger from Texas District 11 asked the secretary, uh, lastly, if there are any American hostages currently held in Afghanistan. And the secretary answered that Mark Freericks is currently the only American um, hostage in Afghanistan. And when asked who was holding him, Lincoln responded that he would only be able to answer that question in a closed hearing. Blinken was then asked how many current evacuees have been found to fit the terrorist qualifications while going through the vetting processes of evacuees from Afghanistan. And to this, the secretary stated that he does not have that information. Uh, Fluger then asked if the president had followed the best military advice presented in terms of the withdrawal process on August 31st. And to this, the secretary answered yes with unanimous agreement. And to finish, the representative asked if the secretary felt that the United States had abandoned its citizens in Afghanistan, to which the secretary answered affirmatively no. To wrap up the tone of the hearing, Democrats praised Blinken and the State Department, while Republicans asked questions that at times were critical of the work that was being done. We will now recognize the Senate. Mr. Speaker, as mentioned in last week's episode, the Senate Committee on Foreign Relations met to examine U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, where Senator Ted Cruz was discontent with Anthony Blinken's response to withdrawal. In the examination of Blinken, many Senate Republicans disapproved of the actions taken by the U.S. criticizing the Biden administration at the same time. 
Democrats tried to explain the failure as best as possible without scrutinizing the Biden administration, yet came to no avail. Most of the committees in the past week met for nomination hearings. However, the committee on the judiciary did meet on the 21st to discuss big data's impact on citizens and consumers and plans to meet on the 29th to discuss the Texas abortion ban's constitutionality. Finally, the Committee on Homeland Security discussed where Chairman Benny Thompson stated that they remain committed to protect against threats as the U.S. remembered the 9-11 attacks 20 years later. That's everything for today, folks. Be sure to join us next Friday right here on the Toss-Up as we continue to try to figure out whether we're going to prevent the apocalypse. Who knows? Until next time, the Toss-Up stands adjourned until October the 1st. Our clerks of research for this episode were Ananya Schreeder, Donovan Douglas, Prisha Singh, and Jackson Keith. This episode was edited by Jackson Keith.